When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another edition of Performance Anxiety Side Projects. This is an episode I've talked about doing for a long time. Cover songs. Aaron Lazar of the Giraffes and Jason Thompson of Vast Robot Armies join me to share some of our favorite cover songs and discuss which ones may even be better than the originals. We also go off on some interesting tangents. Listen to see if you agree with our picks and email us your favorites at theperformanceanxietypod at gmail.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, review, and share. Without further ado, let's jump right into this episode. All right, so this is just going to be an opinion kind of show. Everybody's, okay. you know, it's it, we're not going to come to any conclusions, important deductions, no. anything. It's just, you know, the whole point is sometimes somebody else does somebody else's song better. Jimi Hendrix did it with Bob Dylan all along the Watchtower. That's like the most famous one I can think of. Hey, yep. Joe, also. This is a debate that I've had with my wife a lot about right. who's done like the ultimate version of a song. And it's not always the person who wrote it. So, yeah, for sure. so I, I wanted to have you guys on. And uh, so right now we've, I've been joined by Jason Thompson of Vast Robot Armies and Aaron Lazar from Giraffes. And... Uh, I think this this is just going to be like a performance anxiety op-ed piece. We're just going to throw out our opinions on some of our favorite cover versions and see what everybody else thinks about it. And at the end of the show, after the show posts, I invite anybody listening to send me messages with their thoughts on our picks. Give us your own picks. Let me know. Maybe we'll uh, revisit this at some other point. Maybe we'll just realize this is a total shit show and not do it again. Or, yeah, or you can right. just, or, or we can hang tough with our decisions and, <laughs> and people can attempt to prove us wrong. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm leaning more towards with Aaron in this. I think actually the three of us are going to figure it all out. And whoever doesn't yeah. really get on board, just either get out of the fucking way or, you know, you're wrong. I like, yeah, basically. Okay. We're like the New York Times editorial board, like endorsing. Yeah. All the yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's take <laughs> yeah. let's take the two shittiest ones. Yeah. We'll go with yeah. them. Let's let's go with those. <laughs> they just they, they they had the best job interviews. It was great. Oh yeah. yeah. All <laughs> right. They so, brought in gift baskets. There were muffins. <laughs> they baked. That's why they got it. They baked. The, the socialist guy was really grumpy, so we couldn't go with him. So you the know, video of him is fantastic. By the way, I'm sorry. I saw it. I'm so happy. I find U.S. politics so fascinating. Like, his Canadian politics are boring as hell. But I'm like, I'm all in with what's going on down there. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad it's entertaining you at least. Sorry, I don't. I don't mean to put that in a light kind of way. You're right. Yeah, that's oh, a fair. Yeah. All right. There is no bottom. All right. So let's get out of the. So we got we got the right, politics out of the way. All right, so we can do this one of two ways, and as everybody's going to figure this figure out, we really haven't planned this out very well in advance. So, what I'm thinking, we can do this one of two ways. We can all each give our lists of songs, or we can do one at a time. Do you guys have a preference? I said, let's line them up and knock them down, man. All right. 
All right. So, Aaron, so since you, you uh, threw it out, why don't we start with you? Give me your list of your favorite let me covers. Try to remember, let me try to remember my list. Hold on a second. I've got it if you don't have it. <laughs> I got it. Hold on. It's one of those things where it's, um, uh, you know, every other week I'll come up with like some, I'll be like, oh, yeah, this, this. Or oh, that. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. yeah. What we did. The, the type of person that has one favorite song for their entire life is a psychopath. Like, those people are crazy. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Well, what um, we did, so just, just so the listeners know, is uh, we tried to narrow it down to, well, we started off with, I think, three or four, and then we couldn't do that. So we expanded it to five and then we just kind of had to draw the line at five because there's so yeah. many you could pick. So the yeah. whole idea is this song is a cover song, but it's better than the original version. So Aaron, so, what do you got? All right, let's start it off. Let's start it off. And I guess let's go in chronological order from the oldest song, I think to the more to the newest song perhaps. Sure. So I'm going to say probably the oldest one in on my list is uh this magic moment you remember the old like 50s like this magic the drifters moment. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. it the drifters yeah i was trying to remember the name of them yeah it's super like candy colored like you know just a lot there's ruffles on it. it's beautiful it's wonderful but it's like there's there's ruffles and then there's ruffles and then there's fins on the cars there's <laughs> fins on the parts and everything is like blurry and it's you know it's it, it's its own thing but the Lou Reed version that I guess he did for the Lost Highway soundtrack with yes. Trent Reznor for that David Lynch film. Yes. Uh, it's like this weird combination of like drone noise and like pick and chicken, like Tennessee guitar flat, flat yeah. picking. You know what I mean? It's this weird, twangy, menacing, fucked up thing that kind of also gets, gets there. Jason, have yeah. you heard it? I did. That was actually one of the ones I was getting through to, yes. Okay, all right, so... so. This magic moment So different and so new Was like any other Until I met you and then it happened. It took me by All right. So for me, I have memories with that song. And so for me, it, it's hard. I, it was, I would go to, I would restore cars with my dad and we'd go to car shows and they would play all the oldies. So for oh, me, yeah. it's, it's really hard to cover anything Ben E. King and do it better. Yeah. So I, and I understand what, you know, the, the nostalgia part of it and, and wanting to update it. And I remember when Lost Highway came out, I, I saw the movie in the theaters with my brother. We were one of, we were two of three people in the theater. There was me, my brother, yeah. and like way up in the front, there was like one dude in a trench coat. And that was it. Yep. We were in Tuscaloosa. That, that guy was me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we watched the whole movie. And then I went out and bought the soundtrack immediately. And the, yeah. I just thought this was a really weird cover. Yeah, it's definitely weird. And, but there's something about it that it, it feels like the emotion behind the original song is very tied to its time for me. Mm -hmm. Like it's indicative of like it's time. It's like it's got this sort of soft focus hopefulness, you know what I mean? And yeah. this sort of sentimentality and then the, the cover of it takes that sort of 
weird sentimentality and updates it for whatever that was that the movie came out late nineties, early two thousands, I'm guessing. Yeah. And at that point in time, the nostalgia was for weird, creepy, dark stuff. That was an offshoot. Dude, it was, it was right. And then like Lou Reed is like the perfect sort of figurehead for that sort of thing. Like the weirdo who like, chops and clips everything into his own weird sensibility. David Lynch is really, you know, he's also that guy as well. Oh, David Lynch. So yeah. So it's, it all sort of like resonated for me and I was like, okay, I get it. This is the same song reinterpreted by different eras to sort of get to the same, a similar emotion, but they're so completely different from each other. See, I, well, I, that's what's fascinating about it. And it fits with a David Lynch soundtrack. I mean, that soundtrack all had Nine Inch Nails and Marilyn Manson in it, and, and yeah, yeah, it kind yeah. of fits with the mood of the movie. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, and, and, and one thing for me, and I, I know I'm going to hit touch on some nerves here with this. Lou Reed, for me, is... Lou Reed and Bob Dylan, for me, I like their music, but I like it when other people do it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Me too. So Lou uh, Reed, well, with, with, with a couple exceptions. Yeah. 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 Lou Reed is definitely a tough sell. It's taken me a long time and I'm still not really fully into Lou Reed. Um, I'm glad I, you said that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I'm not, I'm not like a Lou Reed head. I've got some, I've got friends who know who knew him when he was alive and stuff. Uh-huh. And you know, I, I haven't heard any good stories about him <laughs> uh, that make him that, that put him in a positive light. I've only heard bad things about him. So, um, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Right. I mean, he's, he's the guy for that particular moment in time. He's not necessarily an idol of mine, but, uh, I'm glad he lived when he did and he did what he did. Yeah. All right. So moving on from Lou Reed, this magic moment, what do we have next? Uh, okay. Go ahead. We, we go into the next. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's, let's Jason, you want to throw here. something in on this. Round Robin. All right. Well, okay. round Robin or we go right through Aaron's list and then on to you and me. What was the plan there? Sorry. I'm easy. Let's, let's round Robin it. That'll make it a little more interesting. Okay. All right. So Jason, what do you got? Okay. So, I, every time we do this, I always kind of preface everything at the beginning. Um, I tried to stay away from like the low hanging fruit. Like, you know, there's all the kind of stuff like I was I wanted to go for Manfred Mann because blinded by the lights it kills Bruce's version. Oh yeah. Wrapped um, up like a douche. Yeah. yeah. Looking at Van Halen versus the kinks. It's like, okay, well, it seems just a little too easy. Amy Mann versus Harry Nielsen. That's a debatable one. So I went with some more current people. And some stuff that I kind of knew. So first on my list was this was debatable because a I don't think it's properly recorded, um, but Chris Cornell covering "Nothing Compares to You." So first of all, I would have loved to have hear what Prince would have done to that song. You right. haven't heard his version of it? No, I, I didn't even oh. know I could. Oh, yes. wicked. Okay, yes. so I'll I was it, compa- it nice. I was comparing it to Sinead's, which I do like, but yeah. there's something about the earthiness to what he brought, and it's a live performance, right? So actually, that kind of influences it a bit more. But there's a studio version of him, and he's you know playing it on guitar, and it just it sinks it up on an organic level. Like 
it makes it timeless in my way. Like Sinead's is timeless in her own way, but it's stuck in the very early nineties kind of overwrought kind of way. Whereas I found Cornell doing it. There's a certain earnestness there. Okay. Yeah. If that makes any sense. It does. Uh, for me, the only problem I ever had with Chris Cornell is I thought he was, I mean, obviously the guy was an incredible singer, but for me, yeah. his, his, live performances were a hit or miss in what I've heard. Were they? In the bootlegs that I've got, um, you know, I, I, I was able to see Soundgarden live one time. And yeah. I always compare it to the studio stuff and it, man, his studio stuff right. is hard to hit do live. So, oh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Aaron, you, have you heard his version of Nothing Compares to You? Yeah, I listened to it today. It, it's Chris Renault, like... I feel bad for him in a lot of ways because well, yeah, like, he's, he's one of these guys. Yeah, I know. He's like one of these guys that like had a lot of gifts. He had all the gifts. Like, you know, he's like yeah. super good looking, like really yeah. talented, like just out of nowhere and like lightning strikes. And he's just got it all on a platter for him. You know what I mean? That's usually a recipe for a lot of fucking pain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he had like some, you know, like everybody does, he has some limitations and some of his vocal limitations are similar to like, my vocal limitations. So I could hear them like right away. And right. he's got a voice that is like owning a Ducati or something like that. It's like, it does a limited set of things better than anyone on earth can even approach it. You know what I mean? Like it is a, he's got a formula one voice. I like this analogy. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I do. He can, he can high octane anywhere in the scale. Like he can just deliver power anywhere he wants to at any moment and turn on a dime. But that makes it somehow harder to be gentle and more subtle. And there's a weird thing. Like, I think it was David Byrne who said that, like, uh, it was one of those talking head interviews where he's like, I'm not a good singer, but the result, but the, the good thing about that is that people believe what I say more. When you're a good right. singer, people don't believe what you say. See, and here's, this is interesting, because as you were saying that, I was like starting to turn, thinking, you know, he really does have a point. And I think that's what resonated for me, is the fact that his imperfections really did shine through yeah, in a non-adverse way for me. But you're right, because when I think about it, A, he was older in that thing that I sent, so you can hear that, you know, yep. the top end's cracking out a bit. It's kind of froggish at points, for lack of a better. I appreciate that about but it, but I you know love I mean? it. Yeah, that's yeah. It. Like it's like okay, so that's really honest. Like you are yeah. human. Yeah, exactly. and that's for someone like him. I imagine that was probably one of the hardest things that he could have done. Well, yeah, and for you the know? lyrical content, it really lends itself, right? Like yeah. when you really kind of get into it. Yeah, it's it's an emotional song to begin with. It's it's so. I don't, and, and like you were saying, every time I think of it, even when I hear his version, I kind of end up going back to bald-headed, black-and-white Sinead. Yeah. So it's that. All right. And it, but it's a completely different, you know, male, I wish male I knew the name. female take. I wish I knew the name because the Prince version is him and uh, his longtime backup singer, who's a gospel singer. Uh, oh, she played with him for like a while and they trade off verses between each other. It's oh, a live version. And it definitely has like a more like sort of like gospel, almost like David Theater, like yeah. sort of thrown in by the like Prince would have in his later I didn't even realize that because I always was under the impression that he had kind of demoed it, but then passed it along to her. So this he did. 
it changes it for me. If he actually did do it, then it's like, all right, well, I'm not going to <laughs> I think he recorded his version after Sinead had already, because it's live. Right. And I think he added it to his live repertoire uh, okay. after Sinead had already made it a hit. But he was like, okay, so Sinead has a song, but I wrote this motherfucking song, and here's what right. I can do with this song. <laughs> and it's, it's, kind of, it's not the same thing as Sinead, but it is... It is a beautiful thing in its own I, right, for sure. I, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I remember hearing that Prince had a problem with Sinead's version, but I don't remember exactly what it was. He didn't like it for some reason. That, I mean, I could believe that. You mean the guy who had thousands and thousands of songs that weren't good for anyone <laughs> yeah. else to hear out of criticism? Okay. You don't say. Touche. <laughs> okay, so I'll go with mine next, and I... Like Jason, I kind of wanted to avoid as much low-hanging fruit as possible, but there was one that I had to pick just because I absolutely love this song. My wife loves this song, and it's Jeff Buckley's version of Hallelujah. Well, I heard there was a secret chord The day that played and it pleased the Lord But you don't really care for music It goes like this The fourth, the fifth The minor fall and the major lift The baffled king composing Hallelujah 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 Well, yeah It's, it's an obvious choice uh, I mean, I've heard a lot of people do it And since his death I've heard more people do it his way than yeah. Leonard Cohen's way. Yeah. And to me, that's the epitome of the quintessential version of a song. So that was my low hanging yeah. fruit. I don't, I mean, I think, I think for the general population, I think Jeff Buckley is the one that everybody knows. It has been everywhere for the last four or five years. So oh, yeah. yeah. Like it's on for literally everything. I think yeah. because it makes people feel better. You know what I mean? Like it really is like a tonic. Yeah. And people are bummed out all the time these days. So like hearing that is just really okay, cool. I can get that like warm fuzzies from like church without going to church just by watching like NBC Rock and New Year's Eve or whatever the hell it happens to be. <laughs> you know. Okay, so that was low hanging fruit. Nobody's gonna argue with that one. So we'll move on. Aaron, what's number two for you? Okay. Um chronologically. Okay. I don't know who did the first version of the Save the Last Dance for me, but it's that old, like, uh, I believe that was the Drifters, like, too. Was it also the Drifters? Yeah, I think Save the, this magic know. moment. I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was the Drifters. And I know Save the Last Dance for me was the Drifters. Okay, so maybe they're both Drifters. But Harry Nilsson did uh, a version of it on that Lost Weekend record with, like, uh, John Lennon. Have you heard it? I haven't heard it the is, whole thing. It is the slowest most suicidal <laughs> like dark and evil version of Save the Last Dance for me you will ever hear in your life. Save the last 
completely recontextualizes the whole song. It works fabulously, and it's the one that when I think of that song, that's where I'm going. I'm going with that one. Now. Jason, have you heard it? No, but okay. I I love Harry Nilsson. I, will... I mean, it's straight up like this is a musical sentinel. It is. It's just <laughs> so awful. But I kind of, I, I, you know, it took me a little bit to get into it, but I kind of liked it. I like the piano. Yeah, well, it took me like the first time I heard it, I was like, what the fuck is this mopey ass shit? And then after a while, I was like, no, 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 this is really, really, really good. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I totally do what you mean. I love it for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has that like, you know, yeah, it's got all those like great, like weird, like chord choices in the piano. Like that, yeah. that things like that 70s, like yes. style of piano thing. It's like, yeah, man, it's hard to go wrong with that shit. It was really overused in the mid 70s. Oh, yeah. And I'm glad that it's kind of gone away for a while. And yeah, yeah. So you, now when you hear it, it's like, ah, as opposed to like being inescapable, as I'm sure it was back then. <laughs> what kills me that makes me laugh on it is the spoken sections oh dude yeah <laughs> yeah yeah always the spoken sections are the best you can have a whole episode podcast on See. spoken sections of songs oh i my mean God, that's a great have idea you ever, have you ever listened to the ink spots like the old like super old like beginning of r&b maybe like 30s 40s no oh, man like, that i can like, remember they were like one of the first big like African-American, like, you know, R&B groups and every single song, every single one had a bridge. Well, baby, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I would like to hold your hand. <laughs> and he would just like, he would just say whatever the first verse was. So that you was know, the original like, guitar solo, basically. Basically. Yeah. 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 Guitar solo. So they're great. Yeah. Oh man! All right, so that's awesome. So, all right, so we all like that one. I think that one's a a, a fantastic choice. Even though I do love the original, it, this that one's so different. Yo, dude, yeah. it's a yeah. whole it's yeah. a complete one eighty on that. Yeah, sure, sure. All right, Jason, what do you got? Uh, it's a fun one, just because a I know Alan really well, and second of all, I wanted to see if anyone was going to challenge me on whether or not the Katy Perry version actually is a decent song. <laughs> compared to what the life and times did to her song. Cause it was one of those things like, you know, Alan and I would talk. He's like, you know, sometimes there's just good songs in shitty artists. And like, we would have these philosophical conversations while we're recording. Absolutely. And I'd be like, you know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. I like lots of different things. But when I heard that, it's like, and I went and listened to the Katy Perry version. I'm like, yeah, that's not one of them. But what you did is very cool. So like, we're talking about the Life and yeah. Times doing Teenage Dream by Katy Perry. Yeah. You bring it to my it's attention. Better than the original. It's, yes. You bring it to my I attention the first I heard it. Yeah, I, I just listened to the cover and I was like, yep, that's a cool song. All right, cool. I don't need to listen to the <laughs> Katy Perry one. <laughs> exactly. I didn't, I, I didn't listen to the Katy Perry one at all. I'm not familiar with it because I don't listen to 
You don't need to hear it. I don't. It's better. <laughs> the original. I don't. And when was this done, incidentally? When did they do this? This was about four years ago, I want to say. Me, yeah, three or four years ago. There was they a, did a, go ahead. They did a, a whole cover of the EP and they did a bunch of cool shit. Like they did Carly Simon, grew up on James Bond soundtracks. Like I just fucking love oh, that yeah. shit. Um, oh, yeah. So I was like, that's pretty bold. Like he, they didn't, that's not better than the original, but I was <laughs> glad it was there. And they did stuff like right, right. jellyfish and like, like non single version, Tom Petty stuff. I was like, that was pretty good. Like good for you guys doing this sort of thing. And they, he always has a way of making it his own. Like he's like, I never want to cover a song where it's, like I'm playing the song. I need to make it my own kind of thing. So it's like, all right, I'm into that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's like, you guys are the band Travis, right? Yep. Uh, yes. All right. They did a great version of hit me baby one more time by Britney Spears back in yep. the, Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I love yeah. when bands do stuff like that. So there yeah. was, my band toured with Scott Lucas from local H and he had a, like before Travis did that, he had a minor, like it, like it was, it was enough to get him touring out again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where he did a cover of Toxic, another oh, really? release oh, yeah, song. Yeah. But they're just a duo. It's just guitar and drums, and he's oh, doing like Toxic. It was pretty goddamn good. And and you know he's like, I'm gonna play a Britney Spears song now. We're like, really, guy? And he's like, <laughs> good song, man. And he played it. Like, yeah, it's a good song. All right, all right, cool. <laughs> That's, That's amazing. Funny. All right, so. So I guess it's my turn now, right? Yep. Okay. Why don't we go with the first of my Black Sabbath songs, the Anamonon doing Planet Caravan. guys get a chance to listen to that at all oh yeah it's kind of hard to improve on this one man it's hard i i I get it i just the thing for me is they strip out that weird vocal effect that ozzy was doing through the Uh, the leslie yeah the leslie yeah and i i kind of like that a little bit more than than the overuse of the Leslie on the original. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that was, <laughs> <laughs> fucking Leslie. I'm, I'm willing to, I'm willing to take a hit on this one, though. I mean, I yeah. like it better than the original, but I'm willing to, I'm willing to, to take whatever abuse you guys want to throw on me for this one. Don't you have one of those, a Leslie? No, did, did we talk about? We this? talked about that. Yeah, I almost yeah. bought one, and then I realized, uh, what the <laughs> fuck am I gonna do with it? <laughs> vocal takes for it exactly <laughs> well he doesn't need it now he's got parkinson's yeah. Let's do oh, it naturally oh. now yeah well oh <laughs> Ooh, yeah nice. parkinson's jokes that's that's always a winner <laughs> that's, hashtag that <laughs> shit <laughs> all right sorry ozzy <laughs> so all right so am i gonna get any blowback on this one or are we gonna move on no, I'm good with that. No, this song this song is like one of those things that it's just such a pretty, like awesome, beautiful, like this is a good song. Yeah. Period. It's it's really hard to ruin this song 
and but it's also really hard to improve on the original um but the original is so super groovy and like psychedelic you know what i mean like yeah. i see how like changing the sort of like arrangement and instrumentation of it is something that like we could do with that for sure yeah sure all right cool cool all right aaron what's up next for you uh oh wait let me see um I guess I'm going to go with uh, another, let's do another Sabbath thing. The, um, the Charles Bradley cover of Changes, which is oh, so goddamn strong. amazing. I yeah. saw an interview with him. Uh, he did it live on some radio show. And I don't know. Did you guys ever see the interview he did where he's, yep. he, he said he didn't want to do it. And then his mom died. And so he decided to, to do the song. And after I, think, I think he had just gotten diagnosed with like cancer, but he hadn't announced it yet because that tour that he was out on, I crossed paths with him. Oh, wow. uh, out in Denver, like we both played a festival together and like his backing band, the Budos band is also who's on that track are also, they also live in Staten Island. So it was like, Oh, okay. Oh, oh Hey, you know, like, and, and, but he was off to himself, seemed kind of preoccupied. Yeah. So I can yeah. imagine. Yeah. 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 It really, it, yeah, the I'm, song is epic. The song is incredible. It really, and the original's good, but, I, you know, I'm a hundred percent on board with not uh, that good. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not that, it's not that good. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where like a lot of like Sabbath in particular was like filtering, like, you know, R and B and soul music through like their, whatever weird English shit that they're, you know what I mean? They're, yeah. they're weird Englishness. Yeah. And, and then when you give those, what those resulting songs back to someone who's from like a soul lineage and you yeah. see what they can do with it, it's, Kind of, it's incredible. When you pry off 10% of the doom and like 15% of the castle tone that they've got going on <laughs> in some of the recording, like I totally agree with you. Like yeah. Like I love Sabbath, but there's a certain point where it's like, okay, I, you know, I get it. You know, it's, it's baklava. <laughs> it's fucking honey and, and pastry. I get it. <laughs> I just made that this past weekend. It's good. Baklava is great, you know, but you get to like bite four. You're like, okay, I get it. Yeah. It's honey and pastry. It's really goddamn sweet. <laughs> yeah, it's where my teeth ring. <laughs> you might be the first person I've ever met who is sick and tired of all this sweet, sweet Sabbath. <laughs> You're too sweet for me to get there. Okay, I'll go that part. Let's, yeah, maybe I'm maybe I'm, I'm hating on baklava a little more than Sabbath. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we all agree this this was better yeah, than Sabbath. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, so what's up next for you, Jason? Um, so I also realized, and that there's, you know, basically, it's either I'm talking about grunge or I'm talking about Alan Apley. Yeah. So you, yeah, first- you know, so when I when I got these lists, I noticed that Aaron went a little more mainstream artists as far as recording, like Nilsson and Lou Reed. We yeah. have to say Lou Reed's more mainstream, but you went a little more indie. Yeah, I did, except for the last one or the fourth one at this point. <laughs> um, but what I went with for three was 
um, Shiner covered bad companies feel like making love back in the later nineties. And when I first came across Shiner, I was late in the game, kind of like I was for pretty much everything that I've ever gotten into. Like I didn't get into Zeppelin until like I started taking acid when I was 24. I was like, Oh, Zeppelin's pretty good. eh?" And everyone's just like, what's, what's wrong with you? You're old, man. Like what do you do it? So the same sort of thing with Shiner. I came across that and it was like, this is cool. And it's when I listen back to it, like, cause I had to remind myself, it's one of those ones where I realized it's, it's not a great song period, either artist doing it. Like the song itself isn't a great song, but I really dug what they did with the verses to the point where it's like, you know, it's better than bad companies. And if I would ever want to steal it, would I be sure basically is like, you know, that, that, that's my barometer. Is it worth stealing? And you know, <laughs> like certain parts of it. I, I like the update they gave it. Uh, I mean, that was never my favorite. I mean, Bad Company was never my favorite band by any means. No, I'd love to meet a Bad Company fan. You yeah. know what I mean? Where it's like, no, I'm all about the Bad Company. Like, that's the yeah. whole thing. They, they exist. They have I to. Have they them. have to. I have met them. And yes. I know it's totally condescending of me to say that, and I apologize for that, but it's like, well, it's I mean, a weird you know, sequence of words. Yeah. It's, it's a, yeah, no, no, no. It's a, it's a particular type of person who likes a lot of, like, you know, fucking power in their high camp rock yeah. and roll. Yeah. <laughs> like CCR, I get. Like that guy, I'm a CCR fan, but it's like, well, you just went to Bad Company. Just like bypassed all of it. <laughs> Like meeting a Triumph fan over Rush. Like, <laughs> no, man, I'm all about Gilmore. That's it. That's where it's like, it stops for me. Taking the doom off the baklava and just adding a little more. Yeah. Straight yeah. rock. rock. Uh, but I feel comfortable saying it's bad or the bad company version. It's not the best song out of any of the ones that we've selected, but it's better than the original in my mind. I like where you went with it. I, I like it's not a great song, but these guys do it better. Yeah, I kind of like that. It, it, to me, they they both make me laugh a lot. Like both versions. <laughs> well, how do you how do you write a chorus? How do you write that fucking line for a chorus? Like honestly, <laughs> yeah, they, guys, they I've got I've cool. got our chorus figured out. Here's the first line. Like everyone in that band's like, no. Do you think they talked about it, or do you think that I see? I like to think they didn't talk about it, and like they're just like in the jam room, and he's like, and I'm like, yeah, it's totally probably people like making love, and he's like, yeah. yeah. I bet you it's one step further. I bet you they didn't know what was going on until they're in the studio that day, and someone saw his fucking lyric sheet was just Actually, like, wait, what? What's he singing? I, I, I'm not sure there was a lyric sheet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, Paul Rogers didn't come in going, "Hey guys, I got this great idea. The song about being a little bit horny." Yeah. What do you right, think? Right, right. That's enough. It's, <laughs> the manager is like, "You know what we need is one more horny song. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> one more really horny song. We've got eight. 
What is that noise? <laughs> Come on, push through. Yeah. Get one more really horny song. Um, <laughs> but both like the Shiner version and the like <laughs> and the original, they're <laughs> they're two types of like like gross slimy like toxic masculinity. Except one has feather, like feather mullet, and the other one's got like flat cap. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's it makes me laugh so hard. I would really love to hear like some chick punk band cover this shit because it would be uh, fucking great. Or like or like a drag band or something yeah. like that. It would be so good. That would be amazing. You're oh right. my gosh. Yeah. It's a hit waiting for somebody. It really is. Like, somebody then, will have a hit yeah. with this song. I don't know who. Yeah. It wasn't bad company. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they just did. Kidding. Obviously, it was. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's like, fucking I'm sure this bust of a couple cars along the way. Are you kidding me? Like, it's yeah. coming up on the main stage. It's Tammy. It's like, <laughs> brand, brand, brand. it's like every strip club on earth. Paula has. Rogers. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they made their money off of this for oh, sure. Oh, God. for sure. All right. So I'm going to go a little more. I'm going to, I'm going to keep along the, controversial vein here and beat on Ozzy a little bit more because I like Iron Man, but I'm a little tired of it. So when I heard Shay Ami Dorval's version and she made it like this groovy jazzy version, I absolutely loved it. And I actually, I like it a lot better than the original version. Now, have you guys had a chance to listen to that one yet? Yeah. All right. No, Jason, have you heard it? I'm doing it right now, though. I want to hear it. Okay. Because I'm probably going to challenge you on this. All right. <laughs> it's coming up. Do you have it queued up? Here he comes. enough to challenge you that's enough. <laughs> that's enough okay so i can see why you find it appealing but i think you're you're putting yourself in a position to be challenged on this because i'm it, ready it's it's fucking iron man okay so <laughs> my friends like good luck okay i can get your perspective on being tired of it because yeah you're yeah yeah absolutely but it's also Iron Man, you know. It's like yeah. it's like the first song for heavy metal, right? Like, <laughs> you know, it, it, it personifies the whole charm of like Ozzy in the first place because yeah. it is like this barely functioning, like two brain cell, oh like panic stricken, like acid casualty, <laughs> yeah. talking about something that is so stupid, but you believe it legitimately scares him. Oh yeah, yeah, it's Which so great. It's and it's made of cocaine. That song, like, really, yes, one thousand right out of it. Yeah, 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 basically, one thousand percent cocaine. Yeah, 
Yep. <laughs> so okay, I was man. just doing my 55th rail and I started thinking about Iron Man and it really horrified me, guys. <laughs> I almost heard something about being horny. About- <laughs> yeah. Then the cocaine kick in. Iron Man. Yes. <laughs> like, but scared. <laughs> Guys. Iron Man. <laughs> like, wounded. PTSD. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, man. All right. So I, 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 I'm not on board with you on that, Mark. Sorry. I, I get it. I get it. I like it a lot. And, and maybe, maybe it is just weariness of the original version that it, it's, it's such a complete different take on it that I, I like it so much but and that's fair like i get that for sure yeah i'm not gonna listen to the original version for the eight trillionth time either <laughs> oh, so yeah. yeah like you know if, <laughs> if that comes on i'm like cool skit yeah, yeah. I, I know that exactly baklava. once again baklava there yeah. we go <laughs> yeah. all right so we'll move on from that i'd i take i'll take my lumps on that one so aaron what right. we, we that's uh that's number three for all of us all right so we're going on number four okay so we're on the fourth round. Yeah. All right. So this one is just one that I think is is good. And all right. So they, you know, the band Low. Yes. Yep. Yes. Low is great. Low is one of those like bands that like, you know, they don't always write the best stuff, but when they do nail it, they really nail it. And this is one of those songs of theirs that like I just sort of glossed over and didn't pay attention to, and then Mavis got her hands on it, and suddenly it's like something that like I was like, stop me in my tracks. And went, holy shit, this is the best gospel song I've heard in 20 years. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just really good. And, you know, because, because of the gravitas Mavis has, she can deliver it in a way that I don't think anybody else can. It's definitely, she makes the song sing. Now I don't know much, but I can tell when something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And something's wrong mm. But some Holy Ghost Keeps me Yeah, I I gotta agree. I'm not familiar with the low version, but I, at this point, I don't feel like I need to be because yeah, right. it sounded yeah. like an, an an old gospel song, and I just fell in love with it immediately. So I, yeah. I didn't want to fall out of love by listening to the original version. Yeah, and that's the weird thing is that it sounds like a really skeletal, like like remain like a fossil of a gospel song, where like all the meat's fallen off of it and only the bones are left. Like it, there's yeah. barely anything to it. And, but no, it was like, you know, a couple of like hipsters in a garage, I think in Ohio. <laughs> going like, <laughs> like oh, let's, let's work this out. Um, and we yeah, we, I mean, you know, they hit pay dirt. They didn't realize it at first. They, they have some really, really great songs. Plastic Cup is one of the best songs of the last 25 years, I'd say too. I'll but, check it out because I'm not, I'll, I'll admit I'm not real familiar with a whole lot of low stuff. Yeah, it's it's one of those things like if you just kind of go into it blind, like you you may just hit a bunch of like sort of mushy like nothing. Uh, but if someone guides you, you can you can find some gems in the world. Much like I, the uh, whole episode I just did on swans. God, swans is another one of those things. Like yeah, yeah, sw- I love swans, uh, but yeah, for sure. Like 
Yeah, you, <laughs> you need a guide. Man, I'll you need a shaman. Yeah, you really do because that's that's a hard band to understand. It's there's so many pitfalls. I mean, there's some amazing stuff, and some, but some of it's like half an hour long. Yep, yep. See? Michael does not. Uh, he does not abbreviate much. No, and he never anything he's done. He, He's recorded. He's done with as soon as it's recorded. It's it's over. Yep. So it's it's a weird band to to like, but I've actually really gotten into him. So we we just yeah. took a whole tangent on Swan. So all right, Jason, what, what do you got? Um, my fourth. And by the way, I just went and heard eight seconds of Plastic Cup, and you're right. That's fucking cool. They're, they're good. Yeah. They're good. Yeah. I'm going to do some exploration there. So, this is not a recorded song. This was something I stumbled across when Cornell died and there was tributes going on. In my eyes, indisposed. In disguises, no one knows. Hides the face, lies the snake And the sun in my disgrace And when she played this song, two things. I've heard she's an absolute bitch, so that kind of framed it a bit. Oh, kind she's of, always been nice. Like she's, I met her a couple of times. And she's did you? Yeah my, yeah. my girlfriend works in... Um, TV and radio up here. So she worked for a company that does interviews with her, but I'm sure anyone getting interviewed probably has a hard time with like dealing with all the shit around that. So you guys are pretty cool. You're right. We're okay. You know, (laughs) we have our moments. Um, We all have our moments. But when I heard this, um, like I've always, you know, it's a great song to begin with as far as the original goes. It's, it's a fucking classic. And for this to take it in the direction that it went in, it was enough for me to go, man, I wish she would record this properly because I want to hear that. So I don't know if it's better than the original because the original is pretty goddamn good, but there's something about this that was like, wow. There's not often I'd listen to songs and you get like, you kind of have to push away from the desk for a second going, okay, this is, yeah, this is hitting. Yeah. 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 So she, yeah, the, the, this song, this is a, this is also makes me think of like what I said earlier about Chris Cornell. Cause like I was listening to this stuff. I hadn't heard this before today. I listened yeah. to it on the train coming home or I watched it. Yeah. Uh, and it made me like, remember like, Oh yes. Am I wrong in thinking like this record came out right around the time that like MTV unplugged was like a big deal, like in the shadow of a Nirvana unplugged uh, super unknown. Thing. Yeah. 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 It, and yeah. It was- it, it did. It was right I, around that time. Yeah. And I feel like that there was an unintended consequence of that where like, and this is where I think I'm getting maybe too deep into, <laughs> I think I know what's going on in Chris Cornell's head. <laughs> um, but it seemed like this song, even when I heard it back then, I was like, Oh, he, he, this is supposed to be a quiet song, but they're kind of playing it loud on the record. Cause they kind of have to make a big song out of it because they're fucking sound garden. <laughs> Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean, right? Like, and they were riding that edge. Like, it kind of starts kind of mellow, and then it goes like big at the end. Yeah, and then I didn't think about it for a long, long time. And then when I heard her cover of it, I was like, "Oh shit, that's right. This is actually a quiet song. Yeah, it's kind of perfectly put together 
as a quiet song. You don't need to do anything to it. No, and that's what I love about it. Like, yeah, like her piano, like right off that top, the intro is like, oh my god, like. I wish I could have this and not have to go and just, even though I, the live version is pretty awesome. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, I'd like to hear this as an option. Well, yeah. I, I agree with you. I think it's great when an artist takes a song and, and does a complete 180 with it and, and makes it sound. I mean, that sounds like a Nora Jones song. It doesn't sound yeah. like Soundgarden. And that's, she made it her own. And, and that's what I like about it. Whether it's better yeah. than the original, debatable. But yeah. I do like that, like Aaron said, it, it, she made it sound like maybe it was supposed to sound in Chris's head. Yeah. So uh, I'm on board with it, barely, but I'm on board with it. All right. She did some really cool chord change, like choices in her, like the way she arranged it on the piano. Like she, she makes yeah. a lot of really cool little like choices for like whatever the hell they would be like. Seven Augmented notes and stuff. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's really good at that. Like, she's got a she's got a real ear for that sort of stuff. She's probably a little too clever with it sometimes, but <laughs> it really works in this one. Yeah, I agree. All right, so for my fourth, I'm going to go with Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. God's going to cut you down. Go till that long tongue liar. Go till that midnight rider. Till the rambler, the gambler. Backbiter, tell them God's gonna cut him down. Tell them God's gonna cut him down. Tell them God's gonna cut him down. You can run on for a long time. Run on for a long time. Run on for a long time. Sooner or later. That song, it's an old-ass song. I mean, it, the first time yes. it was recorded was 46 by the wow. Jubilaires. And it's called God Almighty's Gonna Cut You Down. And a ton yes. of people have done it, including Johnny Cash, Marilyn Manson. Uh, Odetta did it on Odetta Sings Ballads and Blues in the 56. And it was recorded under a bunch of different names. Like Elvis Presley recorded it as a song. It's the same song, but it was called um, huh. Run On. But Elvis recorded it. Uh, Tom Jones recorded it. But well, I want to hear the Tom Jones. I kind of want to say it's just. But it's such a mess. If Tom Jones does anything, I want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> now, it, did you guys get a chance to listen to this? Because it's yeah. such a menacing song, and I think even more so than the, than Marilyn Manson's version, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club really makes it sound wicked. So did Marilyn Manson do it after they did it? Like, when's the order there? Uh, I, I think, think he probably was, did it before. Yeah, I think it, I think it was cl- it was close. I think Manson did it in what seventeen, and I yeah. think and I think Black Rebel Motorcycle Club did it in seventeen also. It was oh, interesting. Okay. So, it was around right. the same time. Because like, I feel like they, you can hear how they would have said, okay, so Marilyn, you did this and that's kind of cool. But like, if you just did a little bit more of this, it'd be even cooler. Yes. Kind of that. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, you can hear the relationship there, but yeah, I dug it for sure. Yeah. I like the originals, but like, I like the old ones better. I find the old, like sort of shitty forties, thirties <laughs> recordings to actually be more menacing because to me, it's like, no, these oh, are yeah. people that like have been drinking, like, you know, 
shit tainted water their entire lives yeah um and like you know, 100 proof booze yeah they all have yeah. like, they all got fetal alcohol syndrome like yeah. uh, <laughs> their kids yeah. died yeah like their people still died of scurvy back then like, straight uh, up, yeah. like yeah and if, and if god starts talking to you then uh everybody else better look out <laughs> So like, <laughs> that's the shit that's actually scary to me. Like the fucking like Brian from like Akron and fishnets is not going to scare me. You know what I mean? I don't yeah, care yeah, how yeah. many distortion pedals he's got. I'm not scary. Exactly. <laughs> I always found that the case with, with Marilyn Manson is that it, it was, it just seemed to be too put on to be. I always found it hilarious. Like I, you know, like I took it as like high camp kind of like drag sort of stuff. Like, and I went through like a very, yes, I did my goth time and I did my time in the goth mines. (laughs) Um, And, uh, but yeah, man, I mean, like I always found him to be like really, really kind of just fun. Like it, it just all seemed like just a big, stupid, goofy party to me. It was, had more to do with like, Rocky Horror than it did with like the Church of Satan. See, and you know I think, think yes, I, yeah, and I, I, it, I didn't realize that until way later, and yeah. it made more sense to me later. So may, I, I didn't get it at that at the time it was current. So right. So all right. So we got a, kind of a split decision on that one. So we did a bonus round of of uh, for a fifth pick. So. Yeah. Aaron, what did you pick for your fifth track? Uh, I'm trying to decide. Like, I had two that were lined up, but I think if I'm going to go with, like, a cover that totally recontextualizes the original one, it's got to be Devo's Satisfaction, man. Awesome. That was an awesome pick. Like, that just you... flips it, man. Like, yeah. it flips the whole thing on its ass and, like, slaps it around and makes it completely the opposite of what it was. Yeah. And I love it. Absolutely. And it's great. Yeah. It's what maybe one of the best covers of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I absolutely love and that I, version. You don't see much of that anymore these days. Like, I remember seeing no. it. Yeah, like, that one kind of felt, I don't know, maybe because, like, most of those Devo guys are still alive. Like, maybe. I don't know. I mean, uh-huh. Devo yeah. doesn't get the respect that it should, I think. No, like, kind of they don't. Well, because a lot, Mark Mothersbaugh ended up, you know, doing music for cartoons, and I think maybe that was, had a little effect he on it. Yeah. He musically dadded. He publicly yeah, dadded. Exactly. He started doing the Rugrats <laughs> and shit. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I will fight you. The stuff that he did for Pee-wee's Playhouse is like fucking gold. Oh, gold. Pee-wee's yeah. Playhouse is amazing. <laughs> Everything yes. about Pee Wee's Playhouse was amazing. Cowboy yeah. Curtis, oh my god, Cherry the Chair or something that was, was incredible. Yeah. I don't know how the, the hell I remember this shit. The fact that that existed, man, like you'll never see a show like that again. Like, no. yeah, you <laughs> want to do yourself a favor? Like he did a Christmas special. Pee Wee did a Christmas special in 1988 or something like that. Oh god. When he was like at the height of his powers and he could get any celebrity that he wanted to come on his Christmas special, 
And he just oh, fills it with the most ridiculous ass cameos <laughs> of all time. <laughs> <laughs> and just out of nowhere, it'd be like, everybody, it's like Grace Jones. And like suddenly, <laughs> <you're there>. <laughs> <laughs> what? And then the Rubio triplets come out. And I mean, it's, it's completely insane. How watch That's anything where she makes it, where Grace Jones makes a cameo? It's insane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that that one's indisputable. All right, so Jason, what do you what do you yeah. have for your bonus? Um, I went with um, Jawbox's version of Cornflake Girl uh, being better than the Tori Amos version. I'll go with that. I, I forgot about that song. Things are getting kind of gross And I go with sleepy time This is not This is not really happening Yeah, yeah I don't know. That, was, that was off yeah. her first album or so, right? I think that was yeah, off her first yeah. Good song, good song Good song I never really got into that first album So anybody, you know, making it heavier To me was, was probably making it better yeah. Well, and it was, yeah. And that's, I'm a big, uh, there's obviously all my picks are from a very similar genre and very similar dynamic as far as loud rocking stuff, which at the end of it all was just like, man, like you're just, <laughs> come on. That's not cool. I'm not going to think I'm cool. So, <laughs> but at the same time, I do remember that when I first heard it back in like late mid nineties and I was just like, this is awesome and yeah. it really kind of gave it its own thing and, but it didn't have to heavy it up so much that it's like okay it's awesome because it's heavy it's like it's just heavier yeah version of a good song kind of thing it's the opposite which I like she better. did with smells like teen spirit yeah exactly i didn't care for that at all yeah i never liked smells like teen spirit to begin with i always thought yeah. that was one of their weaker songs but yeah, like I do remember that. Like you're reminding me. Like I remember when Tori Amos like kind of broke, and yeah. I was sort of like, "Oh wait a minute, someone's actually doing something that's like kind of cool with a piano." Go figure. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I listened to that record several times. I can't. Re- I don't remember much about it now, but it's one of those things that, like, if I listen back to it, I wonder what I would think of it. But yeah, I do. Yeah. I do vaguely remember that song now, and it's like I remember really going like, "Oh." this is not like just pop sort of stuff, but like really respecting her and going like, okay, she's a big deal. Yeah. She's got some, she's got something going on. That's a big deal. I'll be honest. I I didn't, I don't know. I I didn't pay, maybe even pay attention to the lyrics, particularly on that song until you sent me the link to Jawbox's version and they're amazing. So maybe, maybe I should go back and listen to that album again. It's only been 30 years or something like that. It's out there. Yeah. It's out there waiting to happen. <laughs> All right. Hey, so, have you, you yeah. know, you made me think of something actually when you brought up the Nirvana thing. I know this isn't part of our podcast, but we don't have any structure in your so. quiet moments kind of considered just how is Nirvana actually aging when you oh, listen yeah. to their music. It's like, you don't ever want to speak 
ill of it, but I don't know what it is, but it, it's probably just me, but there's something about it where it's like, eh. No, I get it. I, I get it. I mean, there's some songs that I, I like, but. There are, but you know how, like, when we listen to old music and how we're talking about, like, just historically speaking in a uh, sort of larger existential sense of, like, okay, well, I can love something from the 40s, 50s, 60s. Like, there's certain songs that stick or certain bands or certain pieces of music. And you always kind of assume Nirvana would be a part of that. And yeah. they are. But then it's like when I put the, hold them up to the light of that same sort of context of, like, different decades and genres and stuff, it's like, all right. Is, is that out. the best I can grab from the 90s? Is that really it? Yeah, it sticks out a little bit. I mean, but I think part of that is also the fact that, like, I think a lot of Nirvana's best songs were not the ones that became the radio hits. I agree with you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they yes. always had, like, their better songs were, and I wonder if it's something that they kind of just did misanthropically, like, on purpose. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you want to yeah. hit? Here's this shitty fucking yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, on the radio. Yeah. Yeah. You know what well, I mean? That, and they were the ones they liked for their fans. Well, know? that's exactly so. why they wrote the song Rape Me. It's the, the same chords to yeah. Smells Like Teen Spirit, yeah. just backwards. Yeah. yeah. Yep. They did that yeah. on purpose. But, you know, even back in the early, mid-90s. That's not aging well. <laughs> no, that's not. That, that's a song title you can't really, uh, you can't really have on an album nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so, but even back then when they when everyone was alive, I they weren't my favorite band at all. I was more if no. we're going to take the like the the Mount Rushmore no, of Seattle, I, I was more Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains kind of guy than Nirvana. It's tough because I got I got swept up in it just because I was living in Vancouver during that period of time, like right in that like ninety through ninety four phase. So uh, by proxy, I was there. Like I dig it, and if anything, what's happened to me as I've entered my forties and going to my fifties, oddly enough, the band that I really wasn't on board with for the whole time, I've actually gotten into over the last like year, which was Alice in Chains. Like I was never really into Alice in Chains, but now I've kind of listened to their catalog and to the non hits. And it's like, Holy shit. There's some good, like it's a thing in the sense of like, it's heavy and it's unrelenting, but there's some really interesting melodies within all of it. Kind oh, of thing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, he was really good at that double harmony thing. With yeah. But even like his melodies counter to the guitar lines. And it's like, when I hear that, it makes me listen back to like Nirvana. I think that's what I've done is I've gone back and kind of done a deep dive back into grunge and be like, okay, what, you know, is worth a shit to me at this point in time. And as that sounds really arrogant to say, I'm sorry. It was like um, baklava without all the honey. Yeah. But it's like, all of a sudden it's like things that I wasn't really into all of a sudden. Now it's like, you know what I'm into is like screaming trees. And I'm into like Alice yeah. Jane kind of thing. When at the yeah. time I wasn't, well, maybe you can answer this. Cause I didn't live there at the time I was in Ohio, but like, uh, it seemed like to me then, and then in the time subsequent to it, and it seems like that's changing now as like, you know, as grunge is played on the oldie station yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> because it is yeah. Uh, uh, that at the time I remember like hearing Alice in Chains and kind of going like, well, okay, 
So there's like the Pearl Jam for like, you know, the, the, the dude bro-y bro, there's yeah. kind of more bro, like sort of a little more mainstream bro-y. And then Nirvana for guys who are like just a little bit more like sour and misanthropic. Yeah. And then uh, Screaming Cheese, if you were a little bit older and you knew what the fuck you were talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, Melvin's, if you were a true underground like weirdo. Yeah. Um, and Tad. Yeah, oh, yeah, God, Tad. And, yeah, and then and then Allison Chains. If you smoked meth and cut down trees for a living, oh yeah, that, that's <laughs> right? like Iron Man's right. made of coke. Yeah. Allison Chains made of meth. Yeah, <laughs> and but like so like the Allison Chains heads were always like a little scarier than the other yeah. ones, you know, because they're still metalheads. Yeah, yeah, yeah was, they were total was, metal. Like, yeah, they exactly. had the metalhead guys. And you they were angry because they knew they were a dying breed as far as, like, metalheads go. Like, where it's like, yeah. you know, we know that metal's on the way out, and this is the last bastion of what we have. And I think that was the problem is because Jane's Addiction and Alice in Chains kind of came, like, a year before it all broke. Yeah. In a lot of ways, they're not recognizing the fact that they kind of paved, they opened the door a bit for the other yeah. bands to just bum rush through kind of thing. Yeah. And as a result, they get kind of stuck with a little bit of that metal stigma. Yeah, yeah a little bit. Although Jane's Addiction has that like San Francisco hippie thing going on. I think the like, jam well. band kind of like yeah, fish kind of yeah. thing going on. Yeah. And with like, and I don't know how much of this is in the music. Eh, a little bit, like a little bit of like the whole like gypsy punk yeah. going on as yeah. well. A little um, bit like a drum circle could break at any point after yeah. that song. Yeah. There's a violinist on call. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I really think Allison Chains is aging a lot better than a lot it of It really is. Right? I'm surprised. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's because it's it's because of the melodies. That's yeah. the thing. I think that's the trick. Like if you want a song to last a long time, melody. Do you know what it is? Do you guys ever watch the channel called Lost in Vegas on YouTube? No. no. So it's two guys. You know the band lost in Vegas. No, it's two guys that are in Vegas and they're two hip hop rap guys. And oh, what wait, they yes. do I have is they this. listen to like stuff that's well, that they didn't grow up with and they get, they film their reaction. And like, there's a lot of people doing this now, but this is one of the pioneer and it looks a lot more pro. Yes. But they, and these are guys that like, admittedly is the guy that listening to it and he'll pause it and go, what the fuck, bro? Bro. Like kind of like that, but a little less annoying like that. It's two dudes that actually kind of analyze what's happening within the music okay. itself and understand like they've gone so far down the Alice in Chains rabbit hole and the rush <laughs> rabbit hole. And just yeah. watching their reaction, it's so honest. It's like you uh, really you're not you're not hamming it up for the camera. You're like, holy fuck. This yeah. is 2112. It's really cool. I watched for this. I, I got into them uh, when they did a Devin Towns reaction. Yeah, yeah, it really got me into it. It's like, oh my God. And now they've gotten to the point where they understand Prague and all this kind of stuff. And they're like, they can speak to it a bit better. Like it's not still not like, obviously not, not their forte, but you know, they appreciate it. And they really got into Alice in Chains. Like they did one recently on them bones. And I was just like, look at you guys. You just fucking love this. You yeah. it for the first time and just yeah. love it. <laughs> I have seen that. Yes. Yeah. I got, yeah. I got to check this out. Oh, it's, it's worth it's a cool 15 movie. minutes of your time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, so all right, so we got you. Both of you had your bonus ones. So mine is uh, Our Lady Peace doing Lana Del Rey's "Summertime Sadness." Who doesn't like Lana Del Rey? I'm feeling electric tonight, cruising down the coast, going about ninety-nine. 
Got my bad baby by my heavenly side Know if I go to happy tonight Oh my God, I feel it in the air Telephone wires above I sizzling like a snare Honey, I'm on fire I feel it everywhere Nothing scares me Absolutely love their version. I'm not a big Lana Del Rey fan at all. And so maybe that's one reason why I think this is better than the original. But I also think it's kind of neat. Here's when... Radiohead. <laughs> I, I kind of like it when, when, you know, they sing a song not written for their for your gender. I always think that's kind of interesting, too. Yeah. Speaking um, of, well, yeah, like Jolene, like White Stripes Jolene. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that until you just mentioned oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. It is good. I had forgotten about that. Oh, damn it. Okay. So speaking of White Stripes, do you guys ever hear the uh, their cover of The Party of Special Things to Do? No. Oh, no. my God. The White Stripes doing that is amazing. I probably should have put really? that on, on this list. See, and that's what we think. We, there's so many things you could put on this list. Like, I think I sent you guys a link to uh, my buddy Morgan doing... Um, uh, what the hell? The Unholy Trio. It's their version of um, Bring the Noise. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. That yeah. was my favorite thing out of all of that them. Was... I was like, oh, hell yes. <laughs> I, I, I listened to that one twice. And I was like, this makes me just fucking happy right now. I was yeah, like, that's so awesome. That's my buddy Morgan Gear. He's uh, his. He is basically the band Drunken Prayer, but he also plays guitar for the band Freakwater. How low can you go? Death Row, what a brother know. Once again, back is the incredible animal. The incredible deep public enemy, number one, five holes that freeze and I got numb. And a denim that I never really had a gun. It's a waxy determinator X fun. Turn it up. Bring the noise. He did that one a, a long time ago and it's funny because um oh, what the hell yeah. with that that record label that's um what's well, bloodshot right bloodshot, like, yeah that's it yeah, so yeah he was he was uh doing stuff for them and they're like hey they heard it and they're like hey do you, you mind if we put this on a compilation and he's <laughs> yeah. like uh oh, oh okay, I don't have anything else to give you for a compilation. So yeah, go ahead. So he didn't think anything of it. And then like a year later, Chuck D sends him an email, says, hey, can you send me a file of that? Because I love it. <laughs> He's like, are you, is this really Chuck D? Are you, are you shit me? Like, no, I really want it. Please. Like, I don't I know why Chuck D... I, this is not fair, but I think Chuck D should just only ever send voicemails. <laughs> oh, you know what I mean? Like, they should never write anything. They should always just, this is Chuck D, I need to get that phone. <laughs> Chuck D doesn't text. He never yeah, he texts. Text. No email, only, no I am. Only he's he's old school here. Yeah. It has to be yeah. vocal. Yeah. Something vocal. Yeah. yeah. You just get a WAV file from him and you have to like listen to it. And then... <laughs> <laughs> it's his taxes. He's reading them to you. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that would be a whole podcast in and of itself. Like, you just do a whole thing of just oh, yeah. Chuck D reading stuff. 
I'm telling you, man, like there's some people that you, I'd listen to him read a phone oh, book. Oh, okay. So that, know, he's one of them. Oh, yeah. That brings me to an idea, and, and I'm going to be giving this away on this podcast now, but I had an idea of doing another podcast of, in the style of an old time radio show, but just reading really bad sci-fi erotica. Oh, man. But I need other yeah. voices for it. Chuck D would be perfect for that. Oh my God, Chuck D. Yeah, well, I don't Chuck know if D's I, I don't know if I could get him to do it. The gold standard in reading science fiction erotica. <laughs> erotica. <laughs> so if you guys are in, you know, let me know. I'll shoot you some uh, really bad novels, and uh, we'll do some. Uh, Listen, when the drafts were on tour, when drafts were touring, there was a period of time. I don't know if you can still do this, but I think they still do it. Oh wait, wait your stories Barrel. always end. Oh, always start with that. I don't know if you can still do this, but. Right, right. So Cracker Barrel back then would have like these like, you know, tape trade stations where you could like stop at one Cracker Barrel, grab two or three cassettes. They were invariably like Christian, like fiction books on cassette. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like terrible as shit. So we would grab them and like sometimes we'd listen to them, sometimes we wouldn't. But one of the things that we would always do is we would go to like pawn shops and thrift stores and look for uh, Star Trek books on tape. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah and then yeah, yeah, swap yeah. them into the Christian jackets and return them at the next uh, oh, Cracker Barrel. Awesome. Oh, it that's felt brilliant. Good. It, it felt really good. That's and we awesome. listened to a lot of like the Star Trek like novels on tape in the van, along with like Wesley Willis and, you know, oh, you know like just insanity. Donald's. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's what you're talking about. That exists. Yeah. As they are on cassette. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody gets this oh, book and they open it up, put the tape in, and they're, they're hearing rock and roll McDonald's. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. Or they're, hearing, or they're hearing Sadek took off his tunic. <laughs> <laughs> Outside Rigel 9. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so I've got a question for you guys. Yep. So I think we've we've gone through our lists here, and and we've had varying results. Do you guys do a lot of covers when you play? Uh, do giraffes play any covers? Or did you used to? And and Bass Robot Armies, you guys, I know you guys are haven't had a chance to tour a ton because of the distance between everybody in the bands. But you guys, we don't play. Let's just, let's just put it out there. We don't play. And John wants to kill me because of that. Yeah. Like, each record we make is better than the next. And it's like, they're always like, we should play this. And my answer, as terrible as this sounds, is like, okay, so you figure out a way that you're going to cover my flights to get to the States, book a couple days to rehearse, and then play a show to like 18 people. So somehow I'm not 1200 bucks in the hole. You know, if I didn't have a kid and if i was like in my if i was 45 sure i'm in <laughs> but like it just and you know i, I know it sounds super jaded but um yeah so to answer your question about the covers no but my old band sometimes why we always wanted to but we kind of sucked so we would try to like do stuff like we could do our own thing but when we tried to do someone else's thing we tried to do number of the beast oh and, wow I was a singing drummer, so trying to drum and sing sucks right off the hop, and then trying to do Bruce Dickinson scream off the hop, yeah, and then trying to figure out the drop beat that Clive Burr's doing in the verses. It's like, what? That oh, is man. a tall order. Yeah, and so we gave up on that, and then we also tried to do synchronicity, um, please. 
which we yeah. kind of got a little closer on, but then it's just like, really? Am I really going to try to do this? You don't have to pick such it. difficult songs. I couldn't, but they're good songs. So it's like, I know, you're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting there thinking like, yeah, that's you do Katy not Perry. any easier that's not at all. No. Yeah, yeah. So we're trying to learn Xanadu by Rush, and it's oh, just okay. like, yeah. <laughs> but we gave up on that in Hemispheres instead. Have you guys heard about how all these bands want to do tributes for Neil Peart? And yeah, none of them and they can, can't. They can't. Yeah. Yeah, like, they can't. you know, have you noticed that, like, when Bowie died, there was a ton of tributes? Yep. Cornell, tributes. Nobody can fucking play Rush. Nope. That, and it bums me out because I want to see some tributes, but I also know it's going to annoy me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not going to be good. Yeah. There's, yeah, it's, you know, just, just, just leave it be. So do, yeah. the, do the drafts do any covers? Yeah, sure. We would throw covers in there every once in a while. But this is one of those things where it's like, you know, one man's easy is another man's fucking insane, right? So, <laughs> yeah, like, there's there's uh, the guitarist of the drafts, Damien. He plays upside down and backwards because he learned the wrong way. So right. his low string is strung up high. So every he plays like Dick Dale or like Wink Ray. Like those guys play upside down and backwards. Jimmy learned upside down and backwards, but wow. then Jimmy being Jimmy, he could just go, Oh wait, I'm supposed to flip everything backwards. Okay. No problem. And he just yeah. he adapted. So, um, anyway, as a result of this, we're like, Oh, okay, let's, let's cover. We wanted to cover a Devo song because it would, it was weird for a metal band to cover a Devo song. Right? Sure. So we're like, all right, let's see if we can cover Mongoloid. Right? Mongoloid is just basically like do 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 It's the simplest thing in the world. Right. Our shredmaster in general could not fucking figure that out. Oh my god. At all. I can play it for him, and he just couldn't. He's like, what? I mean, it's I I just don't get it. It's like it's it's just sixteenths. Just sixteen notes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, playing simple is the hardest thing to do sometimes. I, yeah, you know, like everybody's got their everybody's got their thing. Yeah, yep. And yours, Damien's is is not Devo, apparently. I, you know, <laughs> I, well, guys, man, this has been a, a lot of fun. We and and I'm gonna applaud us for nobody picking Jimi Hendrix songs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That that was that would be the real but, hanging fruit. Speaking of sci-fi erotica, are we going to talk about the elephant in the room, which is Battlestar Galactica, which did use that Jimi Hendrix cover of the Bob Dylan song as a plot point because you know it is intergalactic and shit, I and it reawakens this. the sleeping uh, and sleeping androids. I'm totally missed like, this. Holy shit. No, yeah, you, you, yeah, because it's fucking awful. It's terrible <laughs> writing. That's why we forgot about it. Because it's one of the most boneheaded decisions by any script writer in the history of script writing. It was so pungently bad. I was a, such a huge fan of that show. And I'm watching it and watching it. And I was like, are they fucking playing Jimi Hendrix in space right now? <laughs> And they're going to pretend like it's like some fucking mystical, like, you know, from the ether song, yeah. some mystical truth. Oh. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, it pissed me off so bad because it went from being an amazing show to just being. I'm out. Fucking, it, yeah, it just went to being like just bad dad flute music. Oh, yeah. Like, instantly. Oh, so, man. Well, guys. I've, we've taken up a lot of your time tonight. I, I really appreciate you guys hanging out with me and, and talking. This is a subject my wife and I have, have talked about constantly. We, we do it all the time. And 
well, always wanted to do a show like this. So I really wanted to thank you guys for agreeing to do it. And uh, where can people follow you guys on social media and find out when the giraffes are touring and when Vast Robot Armies is doing whatever they do? <laughs> you go ahead, Eric. I'll, I'll circle back. Great. <laughs> <laughs> So just look for the giraffes official, I think on Instagram or just the giraffes.com giraffes are giraffing all over the place doing what we do. Um, I'm still waiting for you guys to come down to see down my, yeah, yeah, we're we're, going to be playing a few shows and stuff like that. We'll see. Yeah. Raffing. I like that. I like that <laughs> verb aspect of it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it could be dancing. It could be, it could be all a, a number of tasks. Who knows? I just, yeah. I, I, it's basically dying as slowly as possible. I thought we were going back to something being slightly horny, but yeah, maybe yeah, not. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so yet another bad company single. <laughs> Giraffing. <laughs> Yes. My bad company. Um, All right, Jason, what's going on with Vast Robot Armies? So Vast Robot Armies is gearing up to release our fourth record, March 31st. Um, Our album Paper Crown Parade comes out. Um, We just signed a deal with a little boutique label called Dome Records, and we're getting it out on vinyl, which has always been a real uh, desire for me, so I'm happy to get that done. So we'll be releasing that. Um, and we're working on a couple of videos right now. And uh, I promised John that I'd look into doing shows and <laughs> you heard how far I'm going to go with that. Yeah. <laughs> and you can find us on, uh, Master Bombers at Bandcamp and the Facebook page at this point in time. That's awesome. Well, you, everybody who's listening, you can follow this show at performance ANX on Twitter and Instagram. Keep listening, subscribe, rate, review. You can send me money, um, share the show. Cause I'd like more subscribers, to be honest with you. You know, that's that's how you get uh, sponsors is to get more people listening. So hoping yeah. ha- having some awesome shows like this, some we, we brought the sex appeal in tonight. Bad company. We did. So yep. I think we're good. Put baklava in its place. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You need more sci-fi food, yeah. sex crossover based That's right. podcasts. That's yes. a new genre yeah. right there. And everyone should go online and trash Battlestar Galactica immediately after this. Yeah, seriously, man. Yeah. Do it. And like, don't forget, after afterwards, you listen to the show, send us your ideas for cover songs that are better than the originals. You, you can tag or send us. us your covers of our songs that are better than ours. There you go. <sighs> I want to hear that. I don't. I'd love, 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 love to hear someone cover me. I know that's totally egomaniacal, but you know I kind of want that. No, I freely admit I would love to hear that shit. All yeah. right, so let's get some giraffes and vast robot armies covers. You fo- go follow them on Bandcamp, pick up their albums, learn the songs, cover them, and send them to us. All right, guys, thank you so much. All right.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.